You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm glad you could join me today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. My guest for this conversation is J.P. Pocluda, and J.P. wrote a book called Outdated, Find Love That Lasts When Dating Has Changed. And in this conversation, J.P. confronts a lot of just flat-out wrong ideas that many of us have about dating. He points out that many of us are dating for the wrong reasons and for the wrong things. He talks about the myth of compatibility and also discusses dating in such a way that makes it less threatening that we can minimize or avoid heartbreak in the process of finding a person who is a good match for us. I was also able to ask JP some real life questions that have been sent in to me by listeners. So we'll get an opportunity to get JP's take on what it is to date as a Christian today in the church. Chronic loneliness affects the way that we enter into dating relationships and can make connecting with other people more difficult than it has to be. Over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz, I've developed a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And if you want to take that quiz and it'll take just a couple of minutes, you'll get a sense for what some of those patterns are that are causing you to experience long-term loneliness, but you'll also get some ideas of the ways out of those patterns. Again, if you'd like to take that quiz, it's over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. I'd like to introduce you to JP. Jonathan JP Pacluda is the lead pastor of Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. He was formerly the leader of The Porch in Dallas, Texas, which grew to be the largest weekly young adult gathering of its kind in the country. Jonathan wrote his most recent release and bestseller, Outdated, after years of observing the changing landscape of dating. JP's partner in ministry is his wife, Monica of 16 years, and together they discipled their children, Presley, Finley, and Weston. JP is the first male voice we've ever had on the podcast talking about dating, and I think you'll find his perspective extremely refreshing. If you'd like to take some notes on some of the things that JP talks about, down in the show notes, you'll notice I've created a link to podcast pages, and those are downloadable journal pages so that you can later, after this episode, take some time for yourself to reflect on some of the things that God would have for you out of this conversation. I like to mention this in the episodes about dating here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. I recognize that everyone's in a different space when it comes to dating. Based on your particular situation, some of you may feel that it is either appropriate or not appropriate for you to date, and that's something that I always encourage you to take on wise counsel concerning and also to spend some time in prayer to determine what God's will for you is in your given situation. Here is my conversation with J.P. Pakluda. JP, so wonderful to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And JP, I'm really excited too, because we do talk about dating a lot on the podcast, but I think you are the first 
male voice that oh, we have in this space. Come so, on. Yeah, you're right. I found, yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm a pioneer of sorts. <laughs> you so, so are. That's what's happening. We're making history today. That's I love right. It. That's right. And I found that in your book, Outdated, one of the things that I enjoyed so much is the fact that your approach to this subject is very straightforward. And yeah. it cuts through a lot of the confusion that sometimes surrounds dating and just gives us kind of a better roadmap of how we can do these things better. Yeah. Now, I was so taken, actually, by the fact that in your book, you mention the goal of dating a couple of times. And yeah. when I read those words, it kind of hit me funny because I thought, wow, how many times do we either go into dating without a goal or really not having the correct goal in mind? So to start us off, help us to understand more what is meant when you say the goal of dating. Yeah, it's it, it's. I think this is the right place to start in the conversation. So let me say that because if we're going to miss it or get off track, this is the area where we get off track. And so what I'm going to say here in a minute it is, it's not really breakthrough or revolutionary, and yet it will provoke thought among your listeners. And I say that so confidently because I'm having this conversation all the time. I mean, I've, I've, had, the, I've had the opportunity to have a front row seat for tens of thousands of relationships, you know, for the past 14 years. I've done lots of weddings, have uh, done premarital counseling, marriage counseling, uh, seen relationships flourish and where they don't. And the way that the world dates, like the goal of dating is, is to have fun. Like we want to experience the manic highs and the manic lows. We've, we've watched the, the romantic comedies. We've seen the reality shows. And there's something in our heart. We've kind of fed our heart. So in the back of our minds and in our subconscious, we're kind of like, man, I want that. I want a, I want a relationship that is enjoyable. That's fun. I want a fun relationship. And... If it moves towards marriage, like that's great. That feels really serious, though. Not so fun when, you know, serious and fun can't go hand in hand. And so the the goal of dating is really to have fun. And I just want to wave, you know, raise my hand and say, that's not the goal of dating. The goal of dating is to identify or, or to determine if someone would make a suitable spouse. Dating is a new phenomenon. It's been around for about 120 years. So if you think about that, prior to 120 years ago, no one in the history of the world had ever been on a date. And so the way that marriages would happen is they were arranged. Uh, most of the people would, would marry uh, someone that was born within a five miles of where they were born. And you know those marriages would last. And so a lot has shifted in our culture. All we know is, is divorce. All we know is broken relationships. And that's just kind of the air we breathe. That's really normal where we're at. And that has not always been the case. So I would just say, say it very plainly. The goal of dating is to determine if someone would be a suitable spouse. And I don't want to spend any longer determining that than I would have to. And if I know that they're not going to make a suitable spouse, then dating them is, is really a waste of time and act of futility. And I could be using that time to identify if somebody else would make a suitable spouse. But dating is the job interview. And, and the job interview is not the fun part. Like getting the job, that's, that's the fun part. The interview in and of itself is not so, so much enjoyable. Mm -hmm. You know, and I actually come at this from the other side of the equation, who is someone who has been somewhat more of a romantic. And you do in yep. your book, though, point out also that the goal of dating is not to fall in love. That's right. So would you speak to that a little bit? 
And so let me just say up front, I, I'm a romantic, you know, I'm the guy I'm going to write like I, I and it's, you know, God's sense of humor because my wife and I, Monica, we've been married 16, 17 years and, and I'll, I'll write her songs and poems and, and like, I would love the date night and I want the limo and to fill it with a hundred roses and all of that. Like that's, I love that stuff. It's kind of lost on her a little bit. The goal of, of dating is not to, to try to get someone to fall in love with you because even that's a tactic because that, that's what leaves people with broken hearts is mm-hmm. we go at dating with this strategy and this effort and, and hey, I'm going to do everything I can to run the game that I can so that you would give me your heart and then I would determine what in return what I want to do with it mm-hmm. because that gives me the control and the power. And I'm just saying, man, what if we dated people in a way that left them better than we found them, mm-hmm. that we were considerate toward them, that that their spouse one day would actually be grateful that they spent intentional time with us, you know, and, and that we moved them deeper into a relationship with their creator and all of all of those kinds of things. And so it's not to like, OK, how fast can I quickly and effectively try to make you fall in love with me, but rather how can I efficiently and effectively determine if you would be a suitable spouse. Yeah. And I see how this brings an element of logic in there, though, that maybe we're not used to, that so often we do see dating as this very emotional experience. And the logic part seems like not so fun, (laughs) as you said, not as fun, right? But what does bringing that logical side into it do for us? Well, it allows you to have even more fun because I want to tell you, like, Mm -hmm. let's just talk about what's not fun. And this resonates with people. What's not fun is, is crying myself to sleep or not sleeping, you know, waking up at three in the morning with anxiety, wondering how do they feel? Do they like me? Are they going to call back? Or is this going somewhere? Are we just friends? What just happened? Did they break up with me? I don't even know. That wasn't defined. My mind's racing and running and, and I'm, I'm confused and ghosting and sliding into DMs and who is this person and are they good for me? Mm -hmm. That's like, that's not fun. It is addictive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it is like, you know, there is, there's a real addictive nature of, about those kinds of things. And I'll, I'll tell you what's, what's really fun. What's really, really fun is, is being in a relationship and feeling safe. Mm -hmm. Like that this person, like I trust them and they're not going to hurt me. And I, and I don't, and, and they can trust me. And if there is, if I, I do ever experience hurt, I have a process to talk to them about that. And we can be reconciled in that. And I feel real. I feel a, a great sense of freedom. And I know that they don't just love me for the way that I look because as my beauty fades, as, as gravity takes its toll and, and age and, you know, childbearing and all of those things change the way that I look that they're committed to me and that our relationship is safe Mm -hmm. and they're not going to leave me for, for some, you know, girl in the hotel bar or whatever that is, you know, that's a lot of fun. And most people will never experience that. They will never find that. And that grieves me Mm -hmm. because we've settled for something counterfeit. We've settled, we've settled for the relationship that might be reality show worthy, but it's only reality show worthy because you know how it is on a reality show. There's someone looking in the camera and they're snot crying and there's mascara running down their face and they mm-hmm. can't catch their breath. They're crying so hard. And that's entertaining to us because it's like watching a train wreck. And that's what we are entertained by these days. 
and uh, and and in in our subconscious, I think we we long for that. When in reality, we want the kind of relationship that wouldn't make good for a good reality show. Mm-hmm. Um, some might even call it boring, and the reason that is boring is because it's safe and it's secure and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And safe is sometimes unfamiliar, especially especially if you've been in an unhealthy relationship before. Those highs and lows, and what if I did this? Would he say this? And how would he respond? And the oh, I'm going to wait so many minutes before I text back, or all of that kind of stuff feels right. kind of like there's this energy that's happening, but really it's power exchange and right. it's a dangerous dynamic to get caught up in. You know what's fun? Fun is an affair with your neighbor and the fear of getting caught and your adrenaline's pumping and and your peripheral vision's blurred and you're focused and your body's like pumping all these endorphins. And, and like, that's a lot of fun. It's also deadly. Mm-hmm. Like what's fun is probably, and I'm, I'm guessing, cause I've never done it. Heroin's probably fun, mm-hmm. you know, cause people give their life to it and they get enslaved to it. But the goal is not to have fun. Like that's not the goal. The goal is, is to, again, it's the pathway that leads to a promise is to identify if they would be a suitable life partner for, for me. Because then when I get into that, that safe place with them, then we can experience a lot of fun together. Mm-hmm. Now describe that suitable life partner, like that part of the goal. What is more specific about that? Yeah. I just, I think about when I was in anatomy class in in the ninth grade, uh, we, the teacher was pairing us up for a, a, a project, an anatomy project. And she was putting a guy with a girl and I had this huge crush on, on uh, Kelly in my class. And and I, I was really hoping and praying that the teacher would put me with her and, and because I, because I liked her and I was attracted to her and she did, the teacher did, they, they she paired us together. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Praise God. You know, and I wasn't a believer at the time. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, uh, and the problem was, is, is we were going to dissect a frog. I hadn't considered the assignment. And, and so we were going to dissect a frog and Kelly didn't like frogs and she didn't want to touch the frog. And, and I really needed an A in the class. And like a part of that A was the participation of our partners. And, and it was just a nightmare. We ended up failing the project and I ended up failing the class because I hadn't considered the assignment. I just knew that all of the feels and all the emotions were telling me I want to be with Kelly. And so as you talk about trying to find out if someone would make a suitable spouse, you have to consider the assignment. What is marriage? If marriage is the assignment, then what is it? You know, is and so the the scriptures tell us that that marriage is about sacrifice, that it's about sanctification through service, uh, that it that it showcases the Savior, that there's a metaphor hidden in marriage that teaches us a lot about God, and so I need to understand that assignment before I can find a someone to partner with me in that assignment. When I understand that assignment, then I can start thinking, okay, what character qualities would make someone really good at that or would make them a good partner for me in that? And there's an aspect of that that's practical. Like there's some things that that transcend all personalities. Like, you know, they're trustworthy, they're loyal, uh, they're caring, you know, they're, they're just a, generally a good person. Uh, those are great qualities. But then I think about, okay, what are things where I'm not very good at that they may need to compliment me in? And what are things that I'm great at that I can compliment them in? And, and I can kind of begin to think about it in those terms. And then when I understand the assignment, I can find a suitable partner. Mm, that's so good. And I feel like that's something that God keeps revealing to me in different ways through my singleness, yeah. that he's got different assignments for me to understand as far as 
who I'm called to and what my life is about, who he designed me to be and how that looks played out in relationships, how that looks in healthy relationships that I'm observing and what are the characteristics of those relationships. And the more that I'm able to glean from that, the more that I have a greater understanding, as you say, about what that assignment of marriage is. So it's kind of this case study at looking at all of these various components of our lives and how relationship fits into those. And I think sometimes the trap we get stuck in is thinking marriage is the assignment, the assignment. (laughs) How are we shortcutting our singleness if we do it that way? Yeah. I think first of all, you know, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor, right? And so I, I lead a church and, and write and have a biblical worldview. And so I think I would just apologize to your listeners the church has really missed it in elevating marriage above singleness. And that is an unbiblical idea. That's not what the scripture teaches. And so in first Corinthians seven, chapter seven, verse seven, the apostle Paul writes that, you know, that singleness is a gift. And I think so often what I see amongst single people, no matter their age is, is they want out of that gift. They want to exchange that gift for Mm -hmm. another gift, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, they want to, they want to return it. And Jesus, Paul's really plagiarizing Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, the lesser known scripture, he says, there are some who are celibate for the sake of the kingdom. Not everyone can accept this, but those who can should. And so it's interesting that the apostle Paul was single. You know, he said, I wish you were as I am single. Jesus was also single. The most complete human being that has ever walked the planet earth is single. And, and so I think starting just right there is like, hey, singleness is not a curse in any way. It's actually a gift. And so you say, well, what do I do with that gift? And it's like, well, anytime somebody gives you a gift, you want to ask two questions. You want to ask, why did they give this to me? And, and how do I best use it? And so the really, the, the way to appreciate your singleness is to use it as it is intended. And Jesus says in Matthew 19, for the sake of the kingdom. And so in the book Outdated, I actually, there's a quiz in there that will help you identify if you have the gift of singleness. And it's, it's been a hundred percent effective a hundred percent of the time. It really has. And, and I think, I think that's the, the starting place is just understanding, Hey, if I'm, if I'm not married, that there's a real benefit to not being married. And that's, that's great. I can, I can, let's say I'm not married with, with a child or not married with children. There are things that we're able to do in this season of life that I wouldn't be able to do. Otherwise I can, Mm -hmm. uh, if, if I'm a, if I'm a single mom, I can, I can allow my kids to have experiences with, with other, uh, male influences Mm -hmm. who know Jesus, who are positive influences in their life that can disciple and pour into their lives. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are opportunities that we'll get that I w- wouldn't otherwise have. And that's not just like my optimistic spin on such a thing. It, it really is what I see the call in the scriptures to be. And then I think, I think to, to hit the pressure release valve, uh, if I'm in a relationship and it's not going toward marriage, that's okay. Um, but I also probably don't want to continue in that relationship. I don't need to like dwell on the fact like, oh, I'm missing out on life and this is a huge mistake and this and that. I just, I, if I date well, as Outdated talks about, then I can just be like, hey, great. You know what? Here's the reality. I don't see this moving toward marriage. We probably shouldn't continue, but I really enjoyed, you know, the, the time that we got to spend together and I mm-hmm. wish you all the best. I have found that the thing we have to remember always is there are different challenges with each kind of season. season so yeah. whether you are single, whether you are married, there are different kinds of hard <laughs> that are associated with all of those things. And we're 
called to be content in any season, in any circumstance. And while that's not easy, God empowers us to do that. And that he does have unique gifts that also go along with some of those unique challenges. Yeah. Now you just pointed there to if I date well. So I want yeah. to talk about that a little bit. You kind of spent some time in your book dispelling some myths and some things that we date for that really are problematic. Things like compatibility, mm-hmm. attractiveness, mm-hmm. all these kinds of other sort of distracting factors. Can you speak mm-hmm. into those and yeah. what we're sacrificing when we look at dating from those lenses? Yeah, I think as a culture, we've we've way overvalued compatibility, chemistry, and attraction. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that they're unimportant, that they have no value. That, that is not what I'm saying. I'm saying as a culture, we've overvalued them. We've put them in first and second place. And, the, and they're not first and second place things. Proverbs 31, 30 says, beauty is, it says, charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting. But, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so it, it, what it says about beauty is, is that it's a depreciating asset, that it's going away. And, and we really all know that. Like in the back of our mind, like probably not a lot of your listeners are attracted to an 85-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. But if they desire marriage, hopefully one day their, their spouse will be 85 years old uh, or 75 years old or whatever that is. And so I, I, I would say chemistry and compatibility, um, you know, these can be fabricated. The the bachelor has been fabricating chemistry uh, with you know, shots of tequila and, and Mm -hmm. amazing dates in helicopters for years. (laughs) And so you can fabricate chemistry. And really what I'm looking for is someone to compliment me, someone who is strong in areas where I'm weak and, and someone who might be weak in areas that I'm strong, that we would complement each other. Well, in that, um, it's like, if we have this common bond over, let's say rock climbing. And so I love rock climbing. It's like the most important thing in the world to me. And, and I meet a, a girl who loves rock climbing also, and she's, and it, and it just seems like she's the one for me because she loves rock climbing so much. And so we get married and on the honeymoon, you know, she, she falls, she experiences some trauma around rock climbing. She falls and, and, uh, and gets hurt and, and she heals up, but, but there's psychological trauma around that experience that she doesn't even want to go near the rock climbing place. Like she is done. Mm-hmm. If our whole relationship was built on that compatible experience, then we don't have anything left. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's, that, that was our thing. And now it, it's not, it's not anymore. And what I've seen in, in doing couples counseling is a lot of times they will find each other on a common interest. And as they progress into adulthood, deeper into adulthood, their interests change and they don't have those common interests anymore. And if, if the whole relationship was built on those common interests, that chemistry, then the relationship, you know, fades and, and diminishes. And so that's why I think we have to come together with a common worldview. Like, what do we believe about God? What do we, what do we believe that he wants for our lives? This is 2 Corinthians six fourteen that we would be equally yoked in faith and values and then, and then how do we go from there and enjoy getting to know each other and spending time together and resolving conflict together? JP, how do you think we can gauge this when it comes to things like ministry and mission and family? Because we do have kids. We are entering into dating knowing that we have this ministry of family that we've been called to. We may have other things that we've been called to that we're passionate about. So does this other person. So how do you see the intersection of those things playing out? I would say it's it's going to be very important that the the person that you're dating they they looked 
toward your child and they're genuinely excited about them, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be and and as it progresses to something serious that they're they're genuinely excited about the call to disciple them and to play that role in their life and and so I think that is that's one aspect of it and then I think in terms of ministry I don't think you have to be you know equal you know called to the same ministry and so for years and years and years I did young adult ministry and that wasn't Monica's calling I mean she was called to more children's ministry or kids ministry and so we you know I, on Tuesdays I would go and and be with this ministry called the porch and on Sunday mornings, you know, she would serve with children and and uh, and throughout the week, and that's okay. We were both called the ministry, and the foundation of that ministry was was Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and so we had that in common. And as we served in those ministries, we grew closer and closer together. But where we had to be called to the same ministry was was at the kitchen table and in the home and in the living room, where you know, when we have children, we're looking around and we're saying, okay we have the calling on our lives to disciple them. And that's, that's my first and foremost, that's my primary ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, my, when I was young in ministry, uh, vocational ministry, the senior pastor walked into my office at the time and just said, how's your ministry? And I was like, Oh, it's great. You know, the porch is growing. People are getting saved. We're going to Africa. We're going to the Amazon. We got these mission trips. It's amazing. It's growing, you know? And he just looked at me and he was like, nah, bro, how's your ministry? And he points to a picture of my family and he's just like, that's your first ministry. And that was a really important moment in my life that God, by God's grace, happened early on. Like, I need to can know that that's my first, you know, priority and my first ministry. And so anybody that you would date that is a suitable spouse would make a suitable spouse. They're going to agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually going to help you be a be a quote unquote sign, if you will, that you might be spending time with somebody that would make a suitable spouse. Mm-hmm. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Now, a lot of women, JP, are afraid to get into dating. Some women are excited about it and it's not an issue. And then others may have some hesitation because of heartbreak. They've had their Mm -hmm. heart broken before, and so it doesn't seem to be worth it. But in Mm -hmm. the book, you talk a little bit about the fact that we can actually date in ways that avoid heartbreak. Would you touch on that for us? Yeah, Romans 12, 9 just says, love must be sincere. And that's like the opposite, the way the world dates today. As we play games, you know, we're, we're trying to get someone to fall in love with us. And so I think that's foundational, the foundational truth to dating in a way uh, that would leave someone better than you found them. And so when we go, when I take the staff somewhere to a lake house or to a retreat center or something for a staff retreat, I always just say, hey, let's leave this place better than we found it. Uh, that means we're going to we're going to repair whatever's broken. We're broken. We're going to if we mess something up, we're going to shine a bright spotlight on that, bring attention to so that it can be fixed. And we're going to clean up and put everything back where it goes. And if anything's out of place, we're going to fix that. And so in the same way, as we date as, as believers with Jesus at the center of how we date, um, there's, there's this real possibility. It is very possible because a lot of people don't think it's possible to actually 
help someone grow in their relationship with Jesus, even if it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. And that's just by being honest, having real conversations, being transparent and authentic, not you know, not seeking to hurt them in any way. And so I think those are, those are some of the ways. And then I would just say to your listeners that are afraid to date, you know, they, they desire marriage, but they are afraid to date. You know, I get that. I really, I really empathize with that because you look and you're like, man, if the cost of dating is heartbreak, then I don't want anything to do with it. And I would say, and I know Proverbs 423 is an eye roll moment above all else, guard your heart for just the wellspring of life. You know, that guard your heart, that's such a pastor phrase, (laughs) but it is possible. What it means to guard your heart is to be careful what you let in, because he says everything that you do flows from it. And so he says more than you guard anything, more than you guard your bank account or your diamonds, more than you guard your car or your house, guard your heart, protect your heart. And so, you, you know, you do that based on what you watch, what you consume, what you listen to. But you also do that in, in the ways that you date and, and just being cautious about all of the late night conversations, all of the me too's, the, the late text messages, the, the acting married when you're not married. Those are all ways that you can guard your heart. And sometimes like women will come to me and they'll say, you know, I only date these scumbags. Like what's wrong with me? Like the only guys I date are guys that are no good for me. And I'll say, well, what kind of what, what's your favorite show? And they're confused. They're like, what do you mean? I mean, I'm talking about dating. Like, I know, I know. What, what, what's your favorite show? You know, and they'll, and they'll say, you know, well, it's, you know, it's Friends or it's The Office or, you know, it's, the, it's Suits or whatever it is. It's The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. I say, what's your favorite music? What music are you listening to? And, and they'll start, you know, they'll say these songs that objectify women that, um, you know, that, that, that are highly sexualized or hypersexualized. And I'm like, there's your problem. Like you're feeding your heart. Your heart's like a bloodhound. And so you're telling your heart what to look for. And you're essentially slowly and systematically taking your heart to a university that teaches it to look for scumbags. And so I'm not confused. The A plus B equals C right here. And I know that makes me sound like, like, you know, your grandmother, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but, but as somebody who loves rap music and loves, you know, sitcoms and shows and TV and movies, mm-hmm. I, I've just realized this is true. And that's that second part. Uh, under Proverbs 4.23, he, he says, hey, be careful where you go. Be careful what you look at. Be careful mm-hmm. what you lend your ears to because it takes you places. Yeah. I actually want to affirm you saying that because I think it, you're right. It does sound like a grandma, like, oh, be careful what you listen to. <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but that's a journey God's taken me down that I definitely felt more pulled to these high intensity relationships because I was watching romantic comedies and listening to, you know, love songs and all this kind of thing. And it just kind of develops this pining in you. And so, yeah, I switched to now Christian hip hop and listening to worship music and these things that documentaries, (laughs) you know, things that totally shift your appetites and, also stimulate though other parts of your person that God created that you actually may have more in common with someone from a connectivity standpoint, not necessarily an interest standpoint, but um, from maybe a a self-awareness standpoint and a cultivation standpoint that you're no longer attracted to the same kind of things because of what you're doing to your own appetites and what you're putting into yourself. Yeah. But certainly, you know, if someone were to tell me off the bat, well, maybe you should stop watching that kind of movie. I'd be like, yeah. I mean, they're like, you're crazy, you know, but, but it's so true. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Now 
In our community, JP, we have some questions that tend to float around a lot. And sure. I want you to just kind of like, we'll just rapid fire these yeah, <laughs> you know, and go. just get your take on them. Um, one of the ones that comes around a lot is we see a lot of men that are not making the first move or they're yeah. not taking action. And so it, there's a lot of women in this community who are like go-getters and they're yeah. doing big things with their lives. What's your take on a woman asking out a man? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, one, as a, as a man in the 21st century, I'm so sorry, ladies. It is a problem. <laughs> it's an epidemic. I affirm what you're seeing. I'm seeing the same things and, uh, we really have outsourced dating to the digital world. And so the, the walk across the room and the pickup line is now a slide into DMS and a, you know, a, a, a comment in, in the virtual world. And so I'm sorry. I really am. I, I am sorry for that. I don't have any problem with, uh, you know, again, under the banner of Romans 12, nine for, for a lady to go to a guy and say, Hey, I, I have an interest. I mean, I've, I've, I, I watched the way you handled that situation and I am so interested in getting to know you better. If you ever want to hang out, like, please let me know. And, uh, I don't, I don't think there, I see no biblical mandate against that. And so I'm a simple guy. Like I've got these 66 books that called the Bible that I yield to as, as my authority, my consciousness, and my guide, I want to be firm where it's firm and flexible where it's flexible. And so, you know, where, where we call biblical ideals old fashioned, then I want to be old fashioned, but where, where we have come up with these rules that are extra biblical or not in the scriptures. I want to say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to be that kind of old fashioned. I just, I want to hold to the scriptural truths. And so I think that's fine. We have to be cognizant. And this is really unpopular what I'm about to say. And so that that's fine. People may disagree. You might disagree. Uh, <laughs> we'll just I, edit I, it out. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you can. That's, a, that's the beauty of technology. No, I mean, you won't, you won't hurt my feelings if you do. Uh, <laughs> I've got guests on the podcast all the time. Sometimes it's hat. Yeah. You, uh, you know, I, I think if it, generally speaking, so I know that, that women struggle with lust. I get that. Generally speaking, that it, that is a, a guys, if guys were to list their biggest struggle, a lot of times that's going to be number one on the list, right? I'm not saying it's just a male struggle. And so number one on the list, likewise, guys struggle with control. Lots of guys struggle with control. And I think as I've counseled women through the years, they're going to put that number one on the list of, hey, I really struggle to control, to trust God. Man, I experience anxiety around this. I, I want to be in, I want to control the outcome. And so if that's your struggle, right? You, you want to be soberly aware of that. You want to be cognizant of that and not feed that, but, but wage war against that to make sure that this isn't just um, the drug that you're feeding your addiction, you know, that, that an addict is using dating to kind of get their control outlet, if you will. So in summary, in short form, I have no issue with a woman expressing her interest in a guy first. Um, I, we do need to be aware of, Hey, am I giving into a struggle that is ungodly in my heart? And so now everybody said, well, how do I know, you know, which one it is. And that's why I think this is not to be done alone that we need. There's 16 Proverbs that say wisdom comes from the counsel of many. And so we need wise women in our lives. We need wise men in our lives, respectively, that will help hold us accountable in these areas. And if sometimes there's things that we can't see and they can kind of say, hey, I see that. I, I know what's going on there. I, had, I know you don't want to hear this, but this is what I think you're doing there. And they can help us see that. 
JP, that's not controversial. That's you calling me out, actually, right there. Yeah. <laughs> that used well, to that's be what makes pattern. it controversial. <laughs> no, yeah. that you that definitely used to be my pattern, though, where you sort of get an idea in your mind. Yeah. You think, oh Lord, I'm being proactive. You made me a very diligent, hardworking woman. So I'm the kind yeah. of person who goes after the things that you put before me. <laughs> so yeah. it's easy to kind of rationalize it that way. Um, but in truth, if I really do look at things and and the Lord has told me as such that, you know, it's, there are some spaces that for some of us, it's grasping for control and maybe forcing something that really actually isn't what you think it is. And sometimes giving that space is essential to see really what this person is like and what they're about. And I think you're right in saying, you know, just going to have coffee with somebody is not that big of a deal. Where do you think the line may need to be drawn though in going beyond something like that. Yeah. As far as just like the physical and emotional. Well, just like in the sense of the woman doing pursuit versus the male in that instance. Yeah. You're choosing your problems. It's like, it's just like online dating. People say, Hey, are you against online dating as a pastor? And I say, I'm not, yeah, again, the Bible doesn't condemn online dating. It doesn't even address it. It doesn't even talk about the internet or the iPhone. It doesn't even address <laughs> apps, you know, cause they weren't there yet. Right. And so it really just gives us these principles around these ideas. And so I, I think God, I don't see a thou shalt not use tender, um, but you need to know the problems you're choosing and the, the problems with online dating or profiles lie. And, uh, and I'm not a big fan of dating strangers, you know? I, I, and mm-hmm. so, you know, um, I, I would want to, I would, I would have an affinity more towards apps and websites that allow me to see, you know, who we know in common and where they go to church and those, those kinds of things. Right. If I was single, mm-hmm. um, and so I think if you if you feel like you're in the driver's seat as a woman and you're constantly like, okay, making the next move and defining the relationship and, and you're leading in that relationship, you just need to, and, and that may be, you may have a proclivity to that. You may be, have a predisposition to play that role in the relationship, but you just can't. Like, here's what you cannot do. You cannot then get married and then email me and say, Hey, my husband's so apathetic. You know, I, he doesn't, he just, he just sits on the couch and he doesn't lead us spiritually. And I'm so discouraged. And because you chose that, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's who you said you wanted to spend the rest of your life with. And so you know, if you want to drive, then drive all day long, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But don't be upset for what you, you know, the, the bed that you made, if you will. Yeah. And so those are, those are the things you need to think about and consider and don't, please don't, you know, marry him thinking he's going to change. Right. Mm-hmm. Or that that's your strategy. Well, I hope he's going to change. I see that all the time. You know, the Enneagram three marries the Enneagram seven and she's, she's, you know, got her, all of her ducks in a row and she's got lists and checking boxes and she's driven and she's got the six figure job and she's taken over the world. And she doesn't understand why he's, she's, why he's okay making 30, you know, and, 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 you know, whatever it is that he's doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and why isn't he more driven? And, and it's like, that, that's not who he is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's who you chose. That's right. who you said, Hey, that's who I want to marry. So that's who you got. Yeah. Yeah. Another question that we see a lot is what if someone is a really wonderful man, but he's an unbeliever? Yeah. Well, let's just say he's a really wonderful man. So like the perfect, so you're a Christian and he's a doctor 
and a philanthropist and, and he makes seven figures and he's got the penthouse, you know, condo and he's got the Maybach, he's got the car and he's got the puppy and he's got the everything, man. He just has, and he loves your kid, loves your kid. It would be, it just, and he has all of the qualities that you would want in a dad to be the father of your, of your child. And he's got it all, but he doesn't have, but you, you have a relationship with Jesus and he doesn't. Here's what I want you to do. Absolutely nothing, nothing. I don't want you to do anything. He's not the guy for you because the most important thing is not there. And so we yield fully to the scriptures Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, friends. I would just tell you, this is the thing that sinks the ship. I I cannot tell you how many women have been in my office. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, but he was perfect. Mm. But he was perfect. He he was perfect in every way. But he wasn't a follower of Jesus, and now it it's costly. And, uh, you know, the, the, the image the scripture gives us, or, you know, an ox, oxen, two beasts of an animal being yoked together around their neck. A yoke is this wooden beam that would go around their neck. And, and if they don't go the same way, you know, one neck's going to break. It's, it's not like it, that can even function in any way, form or fashion. And likewise, if you guys are not right now headed toward the same eternal destination that that's not going to work well. I don't care what else is there. It's just not, it never has in the history of the world, two people going, going to different eternal destinations, just getting along great for the long haul. That that's not what happens. And so I, I would not comp, that would be a major first and foremost, non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that does get very, Oh, probably very confusing is when you see everything else that looks like it could be from a godly place yeah. <laughs> that this person and, could have the potential to have that relationship, yeah. but it's and not coming compromise. from the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you compromise because you start to think, well, well, maybe they're, you know, they, they said they would go to church with me and I bought them a Bible and they said they were going to start reading it. And maybe God wants me to play this role in, in his life. Like maybe I'm the one that God wants to use to bring him into a relationship with, with him, you know, and I, I've heard it all. Like just yeah. understand, I've, I've heard all of those things. And what your, your greatest, the greatest thing you can do for that man is to introduce him to some Christian brothers and let him get plugged in. Cause if God's pursuing him, you need to know God doesn't need you to win his heart. Mm-hmm. Like God is, God is, Powerful enough, he created the heavens and the earth, and you're not the missing puzzle piece to the way that God's going to get him in the kingdom. It's just That's not right. going to happen. That's yeah. just not it. Well, and if he is going to work through you, it's going to be through your distance. <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> your obedience. Removed from that situation yeah. <laughs> rather right. than than writing it out for the long haul. JP, for a woman who is considering looking for somebody and they are thinking about finding the one that they believe perhaps that there is this one who exists out there for them. What yeah. would you say? Yeah, I would just say they're, they're going to come face to face with a, a really big math problem. And so like, there's not, it's not like, you know, 50% of those in existence are men and 50% are women. I mean, that, that, that those numbers don't even align. Well, um, there, there's really good news here and there's really bad news here. And so the good news is if you, if you believe in the, 
ideology of the one, which actually comes from Greek, Greek mythology that at one point we were, you know, a being with two heads and two hearts and Zeus cut us in half. And now we have to go find our other half, right? That's comes from Greek mythology. And so to, that we would find our soulmate. If you think that there's only one person that you can be with, that's really stressful because you got to roam throughout the earth through 8 billion people trying to find the one, you know, through these interviews and hope that, you know, fate would have that have y'all's past cross. The good news is there's not one, there's actually a lot of ones. And so there, there are hundreds of thousands of people that you could make a relationship work with. And the better news is it's, it's not everyone. So you can quickly narrow it down. Like we just talked about, they have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So that eliminates, you know, a, a significant portion of the world. And so you're kind of looking in this smaller pool of followers of Jesus around your same age of the opposite sex. So you've narrowed it down quickly. And then amongst that, you know, those swimming in that pool, there's a lot of people that you could make it work with. And so, you know, here's the way I would make this point. I am uh, six feet, seven inches tall. That's weird tall. Like that's, that's, (laughs) that's, and my wife is five, three, you know, I like guns, motorcycles in the UFC. She doesn't like any of those things. Is there someone out there more compatible for Monica than me? And the answer is one giant resounding yes. There are hundreds of thousands of men in the world more compatible for Monica than I am. And yet she's the one for me because she was the one I walked down the aisle with and made a covenant before God that I would spend the rest of my life with her, you know, for rich or poor and sickness and health until death do us part. And so that makes her the one for me. And, and we're in that covenant relationship. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's the short of it there is there is no one. Yeah. Uh, I think that's great perspective though, because I think sometimes we feel like there's gotta be this, you know, right moment at at the right place. And we have to figure out, like, we got to go to everything that we're invited to because that one person might be there. And God is so much bigger than all of these things that we have the ability to just go through our lives, stay fixed on the things that he's put us in. And inevitably, if this is something that is going to be the direction of our life, we're going to come across people that mm. are headed in the same direction that are appropriate for us to, to link our lives with. So True. good, JP. Love At the it. end of the conversation, I ask every guest the same question. And that is, if there was just one thing you wanted a single mom to know, what would it be? Yeah. In fact, there's one thing I want a single mom to know. It would be that God is crazy about her, not some future version of her. Uh, There's nothing that she's done that has placed her outside of God's grace that he loves her so much. And he's proven this by allowing uh, his only son to die for her sins. And he raised him from the dead, giving her the hope of eternal life. And you, as as a mom, can identify how difficult that must have been for God to give his only son on your behalf. But he did it because he loves you and he desires a relationship with you that badly. And he says, the scripture says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the scripture says he's no longer counting your sins against you. That when Jesus paid for your sins, what that means forever is you don't have to pay for your sins. That, that the bill has been covered by God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And, uh, and so that's what I would want you to know is that, that he loves you and he has demonstrated that in the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Mm, amen. So good. Thank you for amen. that. My joy. JP, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow along with you? 
Yeah. And so you can find me on the social platforms at J Pakluda. And so it's just my first initial and my last name, which is P-O-K-L-U-D-A. And uh, on Facebook, we are Jonathan and Monica Pakluda, uh, jonathanpakluda.com. And I have um, three books out, one on relationship. The most recent is called Outdated, uh, Find Love That Last When Dating Has Changed. And then also Welcome to Adulting and the Welcome to Adulting Survival Guide. And so I hope those are a blessing to anybody that's listening. Awesome. And I will link to those all in the show notes to make it easier for people to find you. But thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, friend. I don't know about you, but after reading JP's book and having this conversation with him, several of my misconceptions about dating have been called out and exposed and completely busted, but in the best way. And I hope that as you walk away from this conversation, that you'll take a moment to talk with God about some of the things that maybe you've believed in the past and gain some insight from Him about where He'd have you go in the future. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. 